Uh, hello there. Welcome to the Evan Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Ice Old Republic. Today, we are joined by the Padawans, and together we'll dive into some fun Star Wars and KOTOR discussions. Uh, this is a spoiler alert for an Ice Old Republic series and the Star Wars films and TV shows. This is Evan Hawk Padawans team up episode, and this is where the For the Republic begins. So today we are joined uh, by the Padawan team. Could you guys introduce yourselves and what you guys do? I'm Oliver. I'm Steve. We run the Padawans podcast. Um, we also kind of do a YouTube channel. Just really big Star Wars fans that really just wanted to talk about it on a consistent basis um, and go over stuff because we always had fun kind of theorizing and, and we were big watching YouTube videos and stuff like that after stuff would come out. So kind of how it started in, in my general background, I was uh, a Star Wars fan as early as uh, I can remember. I can't remember a certain date. I'm 32 years old now, so it's been a while. And I was kind of right in that generation that saw the originals uh, after they came out. But I was, I think I, we were like 12 when uh, when the new, when the prequels came out. Yeah. So uh, I, we were big prequel fans because that was kind of our when you know i always wanted new star wars and that's when the new star wars came out and obviously all the graphics were updated and it was more contemporary at that time so i got really into it yeah um and then was kind of obviously bummed when it just didn't sound like there would be <laughs> anything going forward uh and uh, i was always a big i read a lot uh of legends novels and stuff like that my aunt was a big fan of she had like every legends novel ever so I got really into those, and then I was super excited when Disney bought Star Wars uh, just because I, I wanted more Star Wars. And when they said they were kind of like uh, resetting canon, I took that as my cue to like be able to read every book that came out as it came out and kind of uh, be as much of a canon expert <laughs> as possible because obviously uh, you guys know from Knights of the Old Republic uh, – Legends can get a little murky in terms of storylines and stuff like that. Not everything was was perfect and kosher. Um, so the new canon was exciting. So uh, we'd always talk about it with Steve, and we just kind of were kind of chatting one day. And I, I really wanted to do uh, a podcast or, a, or or a chat. There was no real direct vision at first. And I just wanted to talk Star Wars. So we kind of started to put it together. And Steve, you can yeah. take it from there. I mean, Steve really was the the driver of actually the podcast part. So. Yeah, I think, well, uh, fun fact that uh, Ollie and I, we've been uh, we've been best friends since we were about, actually, probably around the time we were watching Star Wars, five, six years old. So we've been friends a long time. And like he was saying, we used to, especially when we were playing video games, we used to talk about Star Wars, just like, uh, especially when the new stuff came out uh, with the sequel trilogy. And we just would go on rants for hours on different topics of stuff and it with all the novels coming out too and it just it you know ollie brought up the idea of doing a podcast initially at first i was actually hesitant and then you know i i finally was like you know what i'm gonna give it a shot and you know that's uh uh then we started doing the podcast and so kind of like what you said i've i've been a huge fan since i was about five six years old same thing watch the originals um i was actually a really big phantom menace fan i know a lot of people hate that movie for uh various reasons but um i actually really love it just because it came out when we were 12 and um and always been a huge fan of uh kotor played the video games and 
um, was just really excited when Disney bought the the uh, franchise as well, just like uh, Ollie said. So um, I never read the books though, the Legends books. So I just started getting into the Legends stuff. I've actually uh, the novels was very new to me, uh, and because of that, uh, I've actually it, it's in terms of canon and lore and everything, I, I love the journey that uh, the novels have taken me, especially in the last couple of years. So uh, really excited to be here. And, you know, we, we love doing our show on a weekly basis. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, I think we as a team can kind of relate to, like, always just loving Star Wars and uh, growing up with the prequels and... Uh, we we met in high school, Coden and I, and I think like I always kind of thought about doing a podcast, but it wasn't until like last year where I was like, you know what, it would be kind of cool to share what I love about Star Wars and Knights of the Old Republic too, uh, mm-hmm. just like in a podcast form and kind of share it with others. And uh, I always love listening to the pod one, so it, it's great to have you guys on board. Yeah, um, thank you. So it'll be fun. <laughs> Question, just kind of like break the ice a little bit more with um with your guys. It sounds like you guys have read some of the newer canon, the Disney canon. What what do you guys? How would you guys would say that the Disney canon kind of compares to the the kind of the decanonized uh, Legends canon? Uh, do you want me to take this, Steve? Uh, I mean, I, read I mean, just, I have opinions on it, but yeah, yeah, take it. So I'll, I'll take a little more of the legend stuff just because I've read a, a lot. I mean, I haven't read all legends, that's for sure. Um, but I've read a, a hefty amount um, on that end too. I would say, I mean, for me, cohesive story is, is just such a big thing. So the fact that Canon is with some, you know, minuscule exceptions, um, all consistent Canon, you know, um, whereas ex- the expanded universe got to, or what do we call it now? Legends. I was always just calling it the expanded universe. Um, Legends kind of went different directions and different characters. I don't think there was anything too egregious where like some a main character was dead and then the next episode in someone else's book they were alive. But there were a lot of inconsistencies, so it was tough to get a through line. Um, in terms of the canon, I, I do really like it. I'll say this. I actually enjoy, to me... I know the movies are always like a canon for people, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the Bible version kind of, um, but I've been a little, I I am a sequel fan, sequel trilogy fan. Let me get that clear in terms of that. I do not, not like them. Um, I enjoy them, but I, my biggest disappointment with, with them is that I'm such a big canon novel and canon content with comics and stuff like that person that I think they've built up so many interesting storylines through the TV shows, through the novels and the sequel trilogy, I think, was just a, the movies were afraid to touch them. I think they were afraid to, I don't know, maybe just exclude people who didn't read the books. You know what I mean? Um, but I thought it could have been done in better ways. But I, I think the the novels are, are some of the best some of the best stuff out there, and and they compare well. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of novels written by the same people, like the new Thrawn series, written by yeah. Timothy Zahn, who who read who written the original Thrawn series. Um, so I actually think the novels are, in my opinion, the novels are the best thing in Star Wars new canon. You know, since Disney took over, that there is. Yeah, I was gonna, I would, I was gonna say, hundred percent. The novels, I think, are the the best part of new canon, I guess. Um, and like I said, like he, Ollie was actually the one that got me into the novels once uh, they started releasing them for the 
once Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm. So it was just the amount of world building in these novels too. And like, like the consistencies and it's just, it's the books are just, they're awesome. They just tie everything together. The littlest details you can find that you won't exactly see in the movies per se is it's, it's awesome that you can, that you can see that. So it's cool. I haven't touched any of the new, like the Disney canon yet. I, I am looking forward to the Mandalorian book coming out. That, that sounds pretty interesting to me, but yeah, I just, when when disney had kind of like decanonized a lot of legends i mean some of it does make sense because you're right a lot of it is kind of out in left field and really only makes sense in the context of its own little world but yeah like if if a lot of these were written by a lot of these guys then you know i i probably would check these out if i have some time absolutely i mean i would uh i i mean i'll you'll probably say the same thing but the thrawn series uh the thrawn trilogy um and anything by Claudia Gray, in my opinion, are amazing books. It depends on what you're certainly what you're into. I, I would say the the Thrawn trilogy, um, Tarkin, Bloodline, those three feel to me more like uh, the writing of a lot of the expanded universe. They're a little more gritty, you know what I mean. But there's a ton of like Lost Stars is probably my favorite book. It's 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 a young adult novel, but like it takes place from before the original trilogy till slightly after, and it follows two people. One goes to the Rebel Alliance, one goes to the Empire, and you just kind of see the inner workings of that everyone's human. You know what I mean? Um, which is really interesting. But if you were a big Legends fan, I mean, the Thrawn trilogy does it well because it's the same author. It's the guy who wrote Thrawn, so that's cool. Um, and I think uh, Tarkin's written by the same guy that did the Plagueis novel, and it has that kind of that gritty empire, you know what I mean? A more real uh, kind of writing. Um, and, yeah, so I, I mean, there's plenty out there. Obviously, I could give suggestions if you want to get into them, depending on what, what you're interested in, but there's a ton of good stuff. No, I, I think I'd, I'd pretty well stick close to like the canonized timeline, so I think I know like which ones to target, but yeah, that's that's some good opinions. Like I, I haven't had the chance to really talk to um, people who have like really looked into them, so. I mean, I keep up with uh, what happens in the new canon. I just haven't read them yet. Part of that is because, like, I was a like a busy student, and then kind of getting jump started, like, in my career, you know. But uh, and then just kind of like reading different things. But I grew up with a lot of the legends, and like, Mm -hmm. well, like they're not perfect. I mean, you could kind of. It's kind of the beauty of, like, I think what Star Wars you can always do is just, like, kind of take what you want and incorporate what you like into your head canon, and it can make sense to you, you like, in your head. Um, But the new canon, um, I think the first one I want to dive into would probably be Dooku Jedi Lost. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, because I think that the prequel trilogy just didn't do enough with Dooku. Um, and I just think he's a fascinating character. I think it would have been cool to see him, like, maybe on the council in Phantom Menace. Right. Just kind of to examine that character more, because I was just kind of like, he's like a suave fencer gentleman. He's (laughs) interesting. And then I think I would, I I really want to dive into, like, the Mandalorian novel. I'm kind of sad they had to switch the schedule up for that one so i think it's going to be released next year um yep. yeah. yeah 
October November, next year, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, um, I mean, I keep up with like, I at least like go to Wikipedia and just kind of look up mm-hmm. what happens in all the books just so mm-hmm. I can like sound informed. Um, so, so I know like, I, I knew before like going into Siege of Mandalore, like some of the beats that were going to happen. Right. I think like one of my, I think one of my uh, problems with uh, some of like the new canon is like there's so much interesting material. Like everyone tells me the Phasma book is excellent, but yep. then they kind of squander all these interesting characters in the movies. Oh, and, yeah. exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. My <biggest> so <laughs> I think it would just kind of make me upset, you know, because uh, like Phasma could have done so much more, but it seemed like all Disney wanted to do with her was like promote Funko Pops, you yeah. know? <laughs> no, we have this conversation a lot of how yeah. kind of drop, but that's, I guess that was kind of the point of what I was trying to get at with the books is that they're, they're so good. And they create this thing. And, and actually, their only downfall really is the movies. And I don't not like the movies. I'm just saying, like, because of stuff like that, that exactly how you're explaining the Phasma thing is that they built up all these storylines um, and they didn't really use them, you know, yeah. in in, uh, in the sequel trilogy. But uh, if you do do Dooku Lost, I would say literally pick up Master and Apprentice yeah. and read it at the same time because it's it it details a ton of Dooku from the other side as well. They're almost they're almost you should read them at the same like back to back not at the same time but <laughs> one after yeah. the other because it's it's almost the same storyline. That's one that I'm eyeing down is Master and Apprentice. But the one thing that kind of held me back on that one is how much I read um Jude Watson's Jedi Apprentice mm-hmm. and uh oh. and how much Qui-Gon Obi-Wan story you kind of get from that. And uh, so I was like, I don't know if that's like a Disney retelling of what happened or if that's... Because I think they did a good job of some of the stuff that Disney touches on. I don't think they mess with the characters too much in stuff that Disney wasn't a part of. You know what I mean? Like, that's why a lot of the Clone Wars stuff, I think, is really good because they kept that as canon, but they didn't produce that. So it was like, you know, it was on um, Comedy Central or whatever. Uh, And and they've done a really good job with, with not... As much as I don't think they Disney-fy stuff too much, like there is that complaint, but they don't really touch stuff in the Clone Wars. They leave it how it was. Yeah, there's always just like, uh, like comparing canon to legends, there's always just a whole lot to discover and you can like and or not like things, but like I think yeah. that's kind of the beauty of Star Wars in a way is like you can just like kind of take what you like. Everyone has another opinion and you can just be like, that's cool, you know? So... That's what I think Star Wars should be, at least. <laughs> It'd be in a better place if that's what we agree. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. It's just such a bummer that some people take it to that different level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, like, Ollie and I, especially, like, we have different opinions on things, too, and I'm sure we all do, And it's, but we're not, like, at each other's throats, like, oh, that's not right. You have to like it, or, you know, you're not a Star Wars fan. Like, there's people out there who just takes it to next level on that stuff it's crazy we'll just take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment
High Republic and the Old Republic, they're kind of two different time periods, but they kind of seem to overlap in some people's minds. The Old Republic, what I would say the what makes the Old Republic the Old Republic is it's just kind of a bit more of a it it feels like a part of the timeline where you have kind of more freedom. You're not as defined by the Skywalker saga and it's kind of a bit more of a medieval period. Um, yep. I guess, how would you guys describe uh, Ollie and Steve? What do you think, like, the Old Republic or, like, the Knights of the Old Republic, SWOTOR, like, how would you describe that era? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a perfect way of saying it. I think it was freedom from having to worry about touching or or making invalid anything that happened in the the uh, the original trilogy. And I think that was... A good move obviously it's it's like you said like it's a little bit more of midi medieval kind of feeling um obviously there's you know tons of jedi tons of dark side there's there's just i i i think it's a fascinating era and i think it's more fun to play in you know what i mean when you're creating something um yeah. and i was i had mixed feelings about the high republic when they said it because i really thought the old republic was where they'd go but I don't know if they felt as though the old Republic was like the next thing that no one wanted people to touch. You know what I mean? So they kind of did like a halfway because they were like, well, I know a lot of people aren't happy with kind of how we ended the Skywalker saga. So let's go far enough back that we can create new, but we're also, you know, we can always go to the old Republic in the, in the future. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why I was interested in, in your guys take on it. Cause I, I do think they'll bring, some stuff in obviously the more that we hear and i know it's all rumors and stuff like that it does seem like it's quite a bit different now that we've gotten you know some of the pictures and even some of like the world events um that it's based around uh hopefully not invalidating anything in the old republic um but it, it the high republic seems like it's going to be smaller where the old republic almost felt bigger than the, the skywalker saga in terms of a universe you know yeah, it just seemed like there was more going on. Yeah. So I, I'm also of that opinion that I like that they kind of chose the kind of this High Republic area, this pre pre Golden Age Republic time, and and not try and retread something that Star Wars fans are already like very aware of. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that from from what we saw with the sequel trilogy and things like you know Battlefront Two and. I think that Disney will have more success telling a new story with like fresh everything characters, um, like timeline events, things. I, I think that they'd have a better time with with that to tackle instead of, for example, kind of the topic that Cassia and I have kind of covered from you know, one one week or another of. Are they? Would they do a TV show or a movie series of the Old Republic? And if so, are they going to follow the cast of the Old Republic, or are they just going to use the world of the Old Republic? You know, instead of having to ask those kinds of questions, the High Republic is just fresh and something that they could totally capitalize on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of that, I would say it, it's kind of with the new the sequel trilogy. They Disney kind of had they kind of pigeonholed themselves into they had to follow or a, a set cast they had to follow everything in terms of canon 
moving forward. So, uh, like what you said, Coden, that the High Republic is definitely it's a it's a clean slate for the most part. Um, it'll be interesting to see some of the characters that uh, will be alive during that time, like Yoda, for instance. But it's yeah, the the sequel trilogy for sure. It, it definitely they they had less leeway with certain things whereas the high republic they definitely have more freedom from what it seems like and then with kotor that's just uh yeah i don't know if uh messing with that would be a good idea or not <laughs> and just so i'm fresh the the high republic is roughly they're giving it a roughly 200 years before the phantom menace or maybe 200 years before uh a new hope when did kotor take place versus uh, the online, the SWOTOR, were those all in the same exact time period, or are we thousand, ten thousand years? Um, Knights of the Old Republic, it's four thousand years before 4, A New Hope, okay. and then SWOTOR takes place like three hundred years after that. Um, okay. So like three thousand seven hundred years before the Battle of Yavin. Uh, and then what's interesting about the High Republic is that the rumors when it was like called project luminous mm -hmm. it was all the rumors were saying it's going to be 400 years before the phantom menace and i was like oh that's interesting and then when it was actually announced it's like 200 years i'm like oh that's interesting like it just like it, it's kind of like almost on target but not quite um yeah i feel like they i feel like they should have gone a little bit further back i didn't want them to go old republic but i feel like they may have kind of cornered themselves into a box with 200 because in the yeah. grand scheme of things that sounds that it seems to me to be very close you know yeah to where we are in the phantom menace i think that politically like coruscant for example is going to be in a very similar place as it was in phantom menace mm -hmm. and but i yoda would be the only one that is you know, like I guess, like the standard pedestrian Star Wars fan would be able to place Yoda at the scene, but yeah. maybe not, maybe not like any other character um, from the Star Wars world. When Project Luminous was announced, I kind of hypothesized in it was like our episode seventeen, I think, that a lot of times when you have like a golden age, and the High Republic kind of sounds like a golden age. Right. Where, like, you have kind of like a Wild West and, like, idyllic King Arthur-esque knights. And sometimes when you have a golden age, like, people and society turn prosperous. But then sometimes when you're in a prosperous state, like, people kind of begin to get lazy and, like, corruption kind of starts to seep in. So I wonder if by, like, having it 200 years before the Phantom Menace, it's kind Is of it explaining just enough time for that. Yeah, how they got to where they were. Yeah, it makes total. It makes total sense. Um, and I, I'm super excited for. It. I'm ex excited for something new. I just hope they don't not have enough time if they're building stories that they have to stop 50 years or or whatever it may be. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, you kind of want to let like you want to have some room for like room for other stories to be exactly told. i and, just like, wanted to give them as room. much room as possible <laughs> to stay yeah. away from anything like that way they didn't you just don't have to worry about it you know yeah because like the high republic when i when i think of that when i read about it it just kind of seems like 
um, kind of like Camelot in the Wild West, a very idealized. And when you look at like the King Arthur cycle, it ends in tragedy. And maybe that would be a little bit too dark for like, you know, the High Republic, but maybe it could end like on a note where it's like you kind of know like things are gonna slide, you know, like because when you get to the Phantom Menace, like the Jedi Council and the Senate, you're kind of expecting like the best of the best. Right. But but the Jedi Council are kind of like cold and not warm, and even Yoda's kind of a little bit not who he was in the empire strikes back you know um and the senate is like very corrupt um i mean that's the whole point of the prequel trilogy i think is to show that overthrow of democracy what is the high republic what does that mean to you what are you expecting i mean i'm very interested to see kind of the end game of because again 200 years puts us in there's a lot of stuff in canon that's not set in stone right like we don't know how old Plagueis is we actually don't really even know that Plagueis novel has never been it's not canon but it's never really been like axed out of canon so a lot of people still take it to be true um so you're only at 200 years depending on how long Plagueis lived uh in canon and then his master um Tenebris um you could really be in a situation where one of them or maybe Tenebris's master is alive at that point and and they're really following the rule of two and they're kind of in the background and i know they said that um the the main antagonist in in uh in the high republic is going to be kind of these like marauder rock punk punk rock marauder kind of guys which is cool i uh i can't for one second believe that there's not going to be some version of this what the sith are doing at some point it may not be at first so that's kind of my big thing i'm super excited i mean i'm always always been a sucker for jedi and lots of jedi that's why i love the prequels so i'm so excited about uh like we talked about a little bit pre-show like the lightsabers that they've been showing off and this whole king arthur's court kind of uh jedi and they're they're going out into to explore you know the unknown and stuff that's going to be great but i am excited to see maybe uh what strings the sith are pulling because my bet would be that that main uh antagonist group these like marauder space punk kind of guys are going to be um somewhat tied to the sith whether they know it or not yeah i like that idea where like they they could be pawns of the sith because in the Phantom Menace, um, Darth Sidious revealing Darth Maul to um, to take down the Jedi and to you know, stop Padme and all that. Um, that was the revelation to the Jedi that the Sith were st- they were still out there. That, still around. Yeah, and so technically, through the High Republic, the Sith are going to be unknown to the Jedi. Hopefully, hopefully Disney like keeps that together but i would yeah as you're saying i would love to see some string pulling from the sith in this story that is outside of the knowledge of the jedi and the senate yeah very akin to did you did you guys read the bane novels from legend uh yeah so So very similar to that where they they actually did run into like a a trio of jedi that were exploring something and they had they they eliminated they killed them um so i don't even need that directly but just knowing how well they pulled off the bane books where there was no interaction 
or or the Jedi did not know of them, right? They had disappeared at that point. And how much you could still, how much interesting story there still is um, really gives me hope for something like that. Yeah, it, it would be a fun Easter egg. I, I kind of joked, like, it would be fun if, like, Yoda kind of appears, like, in the background, but is always kind of obstructed, so you can't totally <laughs> see him. Out of focus. Kinda like, or, yeah. yeah. Kind of like in the Amazing Spider-Man comics, like, before Peter Parker met MJ, like, her face was always obscured. I'm like, maybe they could, like, pull an MJ with Yoda. Well, that's a good or, idea. like, the future oh. Sith. Like, maybe it's, like, they're like, oh... I'm photobombing this Jedi's, you know, holocron recording. He can't see me, but right. I'm a Sith. Bye. Or even something as subtle as the Millennium Falcon going to dock at one of the Coruscant ports in one of the prequel movies. Like in the corner of your eye, you kind of hear this, eh, 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 of Yoda like going down the corner, but you just don't see him. Spring chicken at like 700 at that point, though. He's probably jogging around. That's true. What What do you think the High Republic's going to be, Coden? I just want to be surprised. Like I, I've, I'm like staying away from a lot of the, you know, like the screen writing expectations. I want, I want to just see something like original, but still like lined up with the, like the canonized timeline of events leading up to the Phantom Menace. Like if I get something like that, I'm gonna be pretty happy. I'm, I am disappointed that it's comics. I would rather. Uh, animation tv show or live action but like that's like the main thing i want is that i just want to be surprised at this point i mean it wouldn't surprise me if there's going to be more animated star wars content in the future because animation you don't have to have a set and have people on set like mm -hmm. during you know like a pandemic so they've had such good success with it so far too yeah these yeah. uh wheelhouse so mm -hmm. yeah so it really wouldn't surprise me if we see like a high republic tv show or like i always i've been promoting like baby yoda like a little animated <laughs> simple baby yoda show i think everyone would like love that and but i mean like <laughs> we we could see what happens but i it, if the High Republic is successful, it really would not surprise me if it's adapted into movies or TV show, animated something, even like a micro series, kind of like Galaxy of Adventures on YouTube. Oh yeah, like, that'd be cool. It would be cool. I love the animation style, and it's just a fun way to like, kind of. It's see. a good opportunity to explore um, genres as well. Like Steve has talked about um, that, like. Especially in the High Republic, I, I don't think we ever talked about it like that. But just that Star Wars is just so open for different—not necessarily a horror movie, but like different genres of movie in the universe. So if you get away from the Skywalker saga and don't have to step on anybody's toes, maybe the High Republic's like the perfect place for that. Maybe you get kind of a a Wild West, you know what I mean, kind of shooter kind of vibe. You get maybe something more Indiana Jones, almost like Solo was, you know? Um, yeah. I'm actually gonna throw something different in there. Uh, actually. One of the things I, I would be more interested in, too, is that since it is the High Republic in that the Jedi are everywhere, maybe showing more of like them in training in their like their forms of fighting and stuff like that, because I feel like the movies and even Clone Wars hasn't done it justice in showing like 
how they train and you know get from point a to point b in their their uh their journey so like um like sword forms and stuff like that that'd be really cool if they dived into more of that stuff i agree just kind of like the the lifestyle of what it's like to be a resident and student at the jedi temple yeah as a kid growing up with uh jedi adventures and jedi quest i was always just like oh man like i wish i were like a jedi apprentice like living at the living on coruscant going on missions you know right Uh, yeah I was just going to throw in one last little thought there when we were talking about like different Star Wars genres. I uh, I always I down this book, this old legends book called uh, Star Wars Death Troopers, and it's supposed yeah. to be like an oh, alien yeah. book with uh, but like Star Wars style. And I'm like, man, I want I want this as a movie. This would be yeah. such an awesome. And I think there's that's the opportunity, right? Like the High Republic, you can explore different stuff like that. I think they're too afraid to do now, you know. Yeah, like yeah. a Star Wars horror movie would be like, like I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Alien, like something, but Star Wars like that, oh man, I'm in. I mean, they could make it really neat. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. And I think Disney owns Fox now, and didn't didn't they put out Alien? So yeah, Alien, the Alien Queen is officially the one of the wicked queens of Disney. Oh yeah, one of the Disney villains. <laughs> nice. So oh, it it would it'd go well. Um. But, but yeah, so the Old Republic, you have a whole bunch of Sith, a whole bunch of Jedi, and it's kind of like a prequel universe, maybe even a bit heightened. There's an original trilogy story in KOTOR, and that's kind of followed through um, to SWOTOR, even though, like, they kind of go a a little bit uh, more extreme in SWOTOR, I would say. Um, and then the High Republic is kind of what we were talking about, kind of just 200 years before the Phantom Menace. Um, are there any overlaps that you would definitely want to see, um, comparing the KOTOR and the High Republic eras, or, um, are there things you don't want to overlap? I'm kind of mixed on that. I feel like the only thing I would probably want is just references to maybe uh, the Old Republic in general. Um, maybe just uh, references in terms of like, oh, in the past, like uh, whatever the reference is. Um, that's the only thing I would want to see. And maybe that would make KOTOR, I guess, more solidified as canon because obviously it hasn't been like said that it's it's canon and that's probably the only thing i would want i don't know if there's anything in general that i would want to see particularly i don't know about you ollie if, if there's something that you'd rather see uh i think the one thing i'd i'd like explored is is actually and, and this isn't like a direct tie i don't want the exact storyline from KOTOR, but I think with the Mandalorian coming out now, I, I think there's a, and the fact that they kind of are pitching the High Republic as, you know, the Jedi and the Republic expanding and going out into the outer regions, right? Um, and, and kind of colonizing uh, hyperspace lanes and stuff like that. I, I'd love to see the Mandalorian story at that point, because we kind of know from... Uh, I think it's really Clone Wars when you get into it. They've, around that time, they've only been pacifists for a little while. I mean, they don't give it a timeline, but they were much more their warrior ways in the relative rememberable past in, in the Clone Wars cartoon show. 
So that'd be really neat if if there's a struggle there with the Republic. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Maybe not to the degree of, you know, the KOTOR kind of stuff or before KOTOR, I think, is when it all goes down, right? Um, but, yeah, I think that'd be neat. I think they're... I think people love Mandalorians. You're getting a Mandalorian series that's doing really well. So if you can kind of continue on to it in a different era, I think that'd be really neat. One thing that I wanted to add to that too is just some like references to maybe some planets that were brought up in KOTOR. For example, Terrace being glassed. Like what was mm -hmm. the, I guess, what was like the aftermath of Terrace? Did they, did they try and repair you know, like his atmosphere repair thing. Did they try and like re-terraform terrace to get it habitable again? Did they just le let it be a, a trash rock at that point? Like what? You know, like little things. So fun story, actually. I think one of the senators who's a member of the rebellion, Rogue One, she's supposed to be from terrace. And the way they describe terrace is like it's a polluted world that kind of had a catastrophe. And, like, they say some people live, like, in shipping containers, and then some people live in, like, the remaining skyscrapers. So I think that, the like, Terrace has been named. but Yeah, they, they actually have in – I just reread the Aftermath series because I was going back through that, which takes place kind of in that gap after Return of the Jedi um, to when the Mandalorian is now. Um, and it uh, – it has like these weird little kind of chapters that have nothing to do with the actual storyline that just kind of put you in different places in the universe and they tell like a mini story and they go to Terrace once or twice. And it is described very much like you just said that a disaster happened at some unknown time in the past. And there are still like kind of the corpses of skyscrapers. And then there's just this polluted, like overgrown swamp jungle kind of thing that some people live in. So it's very much, um, they don't get into detail of what happened, um, but, it, but it is very much a ruined planet that, life has come back to um because i don't think it's quite like just molten or anything like that but it's not in a pretty spot yeah so like little details like that is like really cool and really adds depth to a story and so i would love to see like little bits like that that tie in old republic to a uh, high republic yeah because i think like the old republic and the high republic have similarities but i think you can kind of let the High Republic be its own thing. It doesn't have to be defined by the KOTOR era or even like the Skywalker era. Just like let the eras kind of just like be their own thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to um Disney retelling Knights of the Old Republic. I would just want them to do it in the right way. And like week to week, uh Coden and I in our podcast were just always kind of just trying to crack like if there were to be a KOTOR adaptation like how would you tell it so I think it can be done it just would maybe need to be in the right way maybe you maybe fans just need some breathing time after the sequel trilogy but I think it's a rich story and I mean if you look at the Harry Potter movies or like great adaptations uh like film ad adaptations of books or like even the Marvel comics, like mm -hmm. they're taking those well-known stories and creating uh, good movies with them. So I think um, the sequel trilogy maybe what could have made those films better, like for more people is like they went in with the beginning, middle and end and like, 
kind of characters like whose arcs they kind of knew where they were going the whole time. And I think with like Knights of the Old Republic, you kind of have that. You kind of have these characters and maybe some people have like different interpretations of those characters, but you have kind of like a story. And because I just love stories so much, I think if you just tell a story well, like people come around to a good story being told, like even if it like doesn't quite go the way they they want it. Mm-hmm. think you know but maybe that's overly hopeful and optimistic of me so. <laughs> i hope if they do it that they don't change as much as all the fans would the the real fans would know i hope they don't try to mess with the big surprise of revan that yeah. would be my biggest like the, i don't need that rewritten creatively it's already like the greatest thing <laughs> and as yeah. much as i would know it's coming don't i i would please don't mess with that because that is the essence of the whole story to me that's something I'm very adamant about. Like, some people are like, start with, like, the trilogy, and then the second one, like, you see what happens to Revan. And I was like, no, like, there's so many people out there who don't even know which Star Wars is the first one. Like, right. Disney doesn't People would need love to, that. Yep. Disney wouldn't need to hide the twist. Like, it's usually just going to be fans and, like, writers of clickbait articles that are, like, going to know about that, you know, the twist. Right. And there's so many people out there who don't know if, like, number four is number four or number one. And it's like, does this take place before Han Solo meets Luke? Like, I I don't even know, you know? Like, so, like, I think, I don't know. I'm just overly hopeful and optimistic that KOTOR would be a great trilogy or Disney+. Plus. I can uh, almost reverse psychology and, like, say that the twist isn't going to be the same and just write the same twist. And then all the people who know it's coming are so worried that they're going to screw it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Before we move on to the Padawan's theory on Moff Gideon, we're just going to take a quick break. have a really great theory on Moff Gideon's possible connection to Palpatine in the First Order. Can you tell us about that? Basically, when the Rise of Skywalker novel came out, I started thinking about it. Um, And obviously, we did, we were deep into the Mandalorian TV show, so we were kind of doing a bunch of different, we didn't really theory craft, but just trying to explore everything that was available. Um, And I remember always, after the series ended, I still was kind of like, there's something more here with the baby Yoda, especially um, especially with the whole like when they when they did capture him for a little while and they had they kind of the scientist said he got the DNA and the whole thing with the sci- I don't know how into the show you guys are, but like the scientist that is testing the baby Yoda when they get him has a patch on his sleeve and it's the same patch that all the scientists at um, Camino Camino were wearing. So I always thought that that was like too much of a coincidence just for them to be like hey what's a cool science thing like i i I don't they haven't done a good job to me in putting easter eggs that mean nothing just to make stuff make people happy 
to me yeah. for me to believe that that was just thrown in there for no reason just to be like hey i wonder who'll notice this especially since feloni and favreau are doing it and i know feloni's way more about that stuff and connections yeah. from from watching clone wars and rebels so i was always kind of on edge like th there's something more here and so i, I don't want to get too much in the weeds and go crazy but basically my theory is this when when the novel came out um of the rise of skywalker there were there was way more um detail like normal and one of the things that caught my eye was general pride in the movie um i always felt like he, he the way he talked to palpatine in the movie made it sound like he kind of knew the whole time and the book basically fully backs this up that Pride was one of the few, maybe the only, I mean, it, it's not detailed in terms of the exact way that Palpatine did it, but uh, in the book, there's a couple passages um, that de detail that Pride knew about Palpatine, even when Supreme Leader Snoke was like around. So he didn't contact him a ton, but he knew the whole time kind of that the final order was a thing and that this was being built up. So because of Palpatine's history and basically planning everything out a thousand years ahead of time, it seems like, and being like two steps ahead of everyone. Uh, in the book, it details a little bit more about his death too, that he was building uh, basically Exegol and it wasn't ready yet when he got thrown off the death into the Death Star pit um, in Return of the Jedi, but he transferred his essence much like Bane tried to do in, uh, in the Bane novels. And so it kind of details that it worked. In other words, he, he got, his consciousness to this vessel but it was incomplete like the vessel wasn't able to hold him for long um so my theory is that when palpatine did this he had uh, in in aftermath they had a contingency plan so palpatine had this whole thing planned out with basically burning down the empire if he ever was to die and moving them to the outer regions to start the first order so my theory was just that he he always knew that there was going to be the final order too, and general pride kind of leads to that, that there were people right from the beginning that knew he survived, if you want to call it surviving, um, and was still out there building this thing beyond the first order. Uh, and so that combined with his whole fascination in getting a clone that could hold his essence and hold his power, because um, the ones that he was using were basically deforming, that Moff Gideon is actually one of his original agents and that moff gideon is not acting on his own accord to go after the baby yoda he's very specifically acting under palpatine's guide uh to find whether it's specifically yoda's species or he's just out there finding anything related to extra force sensitivity uh so that they can study it to hopefully clone a body that can hold palpatine's essence so i think this whole thing with gideon is actually tied into Palpatine's uh, final order and Palpatine being um, revived, basically. Well, that's a pretty cool theory. Um... It's a little more conv convoluted than that. I have a lot of other things that go into it, but it, it gets a little messy. I tried to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty fascinating because, I mean, there are a lot of sources that talk about what happens after the Empire and how it transitions to the First Order. I have a, mm -hmm. I have a hard time with the the final order and palpatine's existence in general but like i i like the the contingency <laughs> <laughs> like you know just the the burn down the empire start the first order that that makes sense but not like the to have the first order then like be the the middle ground to the final order but 
I like I like that detail that you picked up of the the guy kind of well being a s- scientist from Camino. Like that just raises mm-hmm. another question. Like the Camelonians like allow these outside researchers to come in and and like learn their craft, you know, because that's basically like their that was like their trade, their craft for the longest time. And we know that the empire goes in and wrecks the place um, at the formation of the empire, but we don't know what else happens to Camino at that point. Um, so right. yeah, like that's, that's some, that's some really good pickouts from the Mandalorian. The, the simple nature of like the Kaminoans obviously have something to do. Palpatine set that whole thing up originally, right? He knows all about it. And then the fact that he's constantly for, the entire time that the empire is around he's constantly researching stuff for him to essence transfer if he ever was to die and trying to learn from what uh, what plagueis had taught him and if there was more to learn so i I just feel like it's a it adds up a lot of these things add up and they never come to fruition (laughs) i don't know that they wrote it originally don't get me wrong i strongly don't think this was the plan but i think it's a very interesting way of going about connecting it to make it seem really deep yeah I mean, the Sith, like, their number one fear is death um, because the Sith, it's all about them and kind of being selfish, and the Jedi are more about being selfless, or at least that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And the Jedi kind of found, like, Qui-Gon kind of found out the way to transcend death and... That's kind of the Sith's ultimate goal, but they can't achieve it because they're like aligned with the dark side of the force. So that's yep. their number one fear is dying. So it really would make sense. Like Palpatine does not want to die. Right. And he's just going to try anything. Like if it's Sith magic or science or something else we don't know about, like he's going to try to not die you know and it would just be interesting if like one of palpatine's evil plans like maybe evil plan O, like after all the other letters is like try to be an evil yoda you know like Mm -hmm. maybe he would he's like i fought yoda you know yoda was you know very powerful what if i went into like a little yoda like essence transferred into a yoda creature you know right. could it hold the harness the power of the dark could it, side yeah could it harness we don't, the power <laughs> yeah we don't even know their species or anything at this point either so that that's yep. also interesting yeah and who knows like if it'll be revealed in the mandalorian or like it'll be whispered into mandalorian's ear and we don't hear it <laughs> but he hears it like just to kind of mess with people and it's like i just want to know like yeah I, Wasn't that one of the things that George Lucas said that he was like, I don't want to, like, he was never going to reveal the species? That wasn't untouchable, yeah. 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 But that was just Go there. I don't know. But, yeah, just like, what if, like, Mandalorian has to save baby Yoda from, like, becoming an evil Yoda, but not really an evil Yoda, like a reborn palpatine or something he turns red (laughs) 
Oh my goodness! Like <laughs> comes that would be like on par with like Baby Yoda being possessed. Like oh my gosh! Like I don't know if we're ready for that to ever happen. But Eddie carries a a switch knife lightsaber like Ray. I hope that they would have it written by George what the alien species name because that's like a no win situ- situation. It's always been hidden. It's always been called Yoda species. There's no name that you can possibly come up with that everyone's not gonna go. Uh, so it yeah. better be like, no, George told me this is what it was, because nobody will accept whatever name you come up with if you just make it up. Its name is Stu <laughs> John, John, is where yeah. uh, Kenobi <laughs> is born. <laughs> uh, and I kind of just joke, like, I want to see the planet Stu John in the Kenobi series, and everyone's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. You know, That'd be like, cool. When else are we going to see it? You it's got to get a mention. Yeah, because a lot of people always thought that Yoda <laughs> species was called the Wills, and, like, I thought that for a long time, but then they're like, nope. And then Clone Wars, it was revealed, like, the wills are just kind of, like, super powerful force entities that you kind of right. see. So there's always just these mysteries, and it, that's kind of something that's fun about stories. But also, like, I'd like to see mysteries answered. But yeah, so it's kind of like a circle. It's like you want to close the circle, but you kind of want to have the circle, like have that possibility, you know? That's but, like the essence of Star Wars right there. Everything is a mystery and it's a never ending circle. That's pretty much all it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Joseph Campbell's uh, The Hero's Journey. Uh, but yeah, if it's going to be revealed anywhere, like I want it to be from George. And George seems to be involved and he's close with feloni so that's the hope that i would have yeah so i think i think that would uh be a good thing thank you for listening to the ebon hawk podcast and where can our listeners find you ollie and steve they can find us on we're on instagram we're also on uh podcast services so uh spotify anchor itunes all the same ones that you guys are actually on too awesome. uh, so uh any of those uh and then we also have a youtube and a twitch channel our podcast we usually stream live and uh and then we have videos on youtube as well so uh they can find us there you can find us on instagram at ebonhawk podcast and the ebonhawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com is our email, and you're welcome to email us your questions and business inquiries. And this has been Coden. You can uh, find me hanging around on Instagram, um, just searching Coden Bond. Uh, you can also... Um, Find me live on twitch.tv forward slash Conan Bond. Um, just keep an eye out on Twitter at the same handle to uh, find out the uh, the exact times. Um, typically, though, Thursday nights. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shorman, and he can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. And our transition music was composed by Christian Walker, and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. This has been the Evan Hawk Padawan's Team Up episode. May the Force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now. Thank you.